Well, good morning. If we haven't met before, uh, my name is Gavin Sledge. I'm the, one of the pastors here on staff, and I work with our middle schoolers and high schoolers. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, I want to show y'all uh, a little bit about student ministry, the, the ministry that I get to work with. Um, if you didn't know this last summer, uh, we got to go to Munich, Germany. I took a group of students there for a mission trip. Uh, Munich is a really special place for me. It was the first overseas mission trip I got to be a part of when I was a fellow at Southwood, when I was on staff over there. Um, got to go there once, became really good friends um, with the Sandifers, who are some of our missionaries here at Grace, uh, who run Young Life over there. And man, their goal and their mission is to help students in Germany know Jesus and build relationships. And so we got to partner with them. And then my really good friend, Audrey Martin, who was on staff with me for a while um, over there. And so some photos, here's our team we got to take. Uh, this was our last night. We were exhausted. We were gassed. Um, and we just eaten way too much German food and um, schnitzel and a lot of things. And we had to walk a really, really long time to get to our hotel that we got lost to. Uh, but man, we got to do an English camp. So Young Life partners up with different schools. And his goal is, man, get into schools, get to know students, to build relationships so that they can show them who our God is. Um, and so we had a really fun time because we got to come alongside and we got to be English teachers. Um, and so giving a high school student the responsibility of being a teacher, let alone an English teacher, um, is quite the task. But our students did incredible. Um, they taught English, but really their main goal is, man, we want to build relationships with students who are just a few years younger than us. Um, and these students, man, they worked hard and it was incredible to see what God did. Um, so we spent about six days at camp. After camp, we were exhausted. So I said, man, let's go get on a train. Let's go to Salzburg. We're gonna do all these other things. And um, there was a lot of chaos that happened between A and B, but we finally made it to Salzburg. And we got checked into our hotel. And the next one was like, hey, we're just gonna go for a nice little walk by the river. Um, and we're just gonna find a park. Because after lunch, I wanna go to this fortress that just overlooks the whole city and just be really, really cool, a cool sight to see. I said, so we're gonna start walking. Right, and I'm uh, an expert at geography, and so I said, hey, let's just get to the river, and it's a 50-50 shot, I'm pretty sure, I'm looking at Google Maps, I said, hey, the fortress is this way, so this is, we're gonna walk by this river, like, we're gonna find a park, that's what, I don't know, Salzburg just seems like a park kind of place. And so we started walking, right, with eight students who've been jet-lagged and tired and away from home for 10 days, we've been crammed into small rooms, right, everyone's so joyful, so excited to be there, um, and excited just to walk. And so we walk. I was like, man, we're, we're, we're going to get there. We're just going to walk a little bit. And, and, and we walk, and we just keep walking. And it kind of gets to about an hour. And um, Claire's like, maybe we should just stop real quick. I was like, okay, we'll stop. She's like, let's just double check the map and make sure we're good. And so I go around to turn to talk to her and look at my map. And then on the outside, I finally see the fortress. On the other side of the river, the absolute opposite direction of what we've been walking for past hour. Right? And so I was like, oh, man. Well, here we are, and so as, as we were kind of talking, man, like, what do we do? Like, do we double back? Do we just keep going and double down? Like, where are we at here? This man just starts yelling, right? He comes out of his front door, and I, he was wearing like a tank top. He was an older gentleman. He just starts yelling at us, right? And I've, I've been yelled at before. I told y'all I was in the core, but there's something about being yelled at in a German that just makes it a little more unique, right? And so there I am, and like, there's a group of students. I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. We're kind of in his front yard, but... But kind of now, I'm like, sir, I'm so sorry. I obviously don't speak much German. I know a few words. I could, actually, I don't know my knee, right? And so I was like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen here. I just said, so sorry, so sorry. We kind of stop and we play, you know, the normal, like, I say words. And I say them slower because I think that that might help you understand them in English. But, and he says words to me. And then we kind of play charades for a while. And we get to this place, like, I'm just looking, park, like, park, like, stop and sit. Um, and he just points, he said, like, St. Maria or something up there, right? Maria, Maria. I was like, okay. 
I don't know where she is, but we're gonna find her. We're gonna walk this way to find Maria. And sir, I'm gonna trust you. And so we just keep walking, right? So here we are, we've kind of been discouraged. We're frustrated. We got to this place that was kind of the opposite direction where we thought we were going. Um, And then we get here, right? After about another hour of walking through just a lot of crazy places, we ended up in a field at one point and um, lost and hills after hills after hills. We get to this, um, this this church, Maria Plans, it's um, this church that overlooks, it's outside of Austria, because at this, or not outside of Austria, Salzburg. At this point, we're kind of outside of Salzburg already. It's pretty impressive how far we've walked. Um, and up this hill, and our kids are hungry, and they're tired, and they're frustrated, and discouraged, and we're, we're so far from one we want to be. And one of our students, like, kind of falls in off the trail and falls into this plant, and then instantly goes into this crazy allergic reaction. And so we're, like, putting Benadryl and, like, just trying to, like, man, we just got to get there. Like, we're going to get to this place we're just gonna do it, right? And so we finally get up and we walk up this hill um, and we make it to this place and we just get to overlook the beauty of Salzburg and it's quiet and it's, the weather's perfect and it's beautiful. And um, one of the things we encourage our students to do or actually challenge our students to do is, hey, we wanted you each to lead us in a devo through Psalms. And so one of the students shared that day, man, we were just talking about the glory and majesty and the goodness of our God. As we sat on just this balcony with no one around us, just overlooking this beautiful place Right, and then we stopped and we journaled and we sent them out for about an hour on their own. Just say, hey, journal and talk about, man, what did God do over this trip? What did you see him work and how did you see him to use you and just incredible stories. And we got together and we just shared those, right? And we just saw, man, how much our demeanor changed. We went from being frustrated and discouraged and tired and like itchy and hungry and to being in a place of just awe. Awe that, man, one, we just get to be in this incredible spot. What a blessing. And two, man, we just got to see and experience God's goodness, that God is bigger than College Station. He's bigger than where we grow up and what we've seen. And man, he is doing an awesome, awesome work. And we got to reflect over those things. And man, it transformed our trip. And that was such a cool turning point for us and our students because we just got to stop. All right, so why do I bring that up? Is because maybe you're like me and you're getting to today, right? And tomorrow you're looking at, wow, it's 2024 already. That's crazy, and you're kind of tired and feeling exhausted and frustrated and similar to as we were. Man, I wanna, I really was praying about what do I want this message to look like? And man, do I want to just say, hey, here's what you go do. Here's the goals for 2024. Here's how you chase after Jesus. Um, yes, like those things are important. But more, this message I got to share with one of our students, or at a, our student retreat this year called Cardia. Um, it was just really special to me because it's all about just stopping. And it's not even about us. It's all just about who God is and looking at the character of God and having this moment just to stop and reflect and hopefully leave here just more in awe and more in love with God. And so some things, you know, not, not a lot of this is gonna be new for some of y'all. Y'all know God's character. But the reality is, man, life can just distract us. It can pull us away. It can make this big and mighty and powerful God really, really small. And so I'm excited to share, um, share this message with y'all. Um, but first I'd ask, can we just pray for a moment? Um, Lord, would you use this time? Lord, we thank you for what you did in Germany. We thank you for what you've done this year in this church and the incredible, incredible deeds. Father, you are worthy of all praise and all glory. Lord, we give you this time and we give you this moment. So Lord, quiet our ears and our hearts just to hear this truth of who you are. I pray these stories and the scripture and the truth, um, Lord, and even as we look at your creation, that it reminds us, God, that you are big and you are mighty, and you are powerful, Lord, that you are all-knowing, but Lord, you are also love, and you are near. Uh, Father, we see that in Jesus, and we thank you for him. So church, 
I'd ask that would you just take a minute? Would you just pray for even your own hearts? Would you pray, um, Lord, and bring just any or bring any burdens you have to the Lord and ask Him to use this time. And then would you pray for the person on your left and your right? Maybe it's your family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone you don't know, but would you pray the Lord uses this time? And lastly, would you pray for me? Would you pray that my words would be clear? Um, they would not be about myself or the way I'm perceived, but this would all be about him. God, we love you. We give you this time, for it is yours. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanna share a story about a missionary, um, and this, this is John Allen Chow, and so it's, it's kind of interesting. I shared this story at Cardia, um, and I spent a lot of time kind of reading about him, and I had heard his story at a different conference. Um, and recently, actually, just like within the past few weeks, there's been a documentary um, from National Geographic about him. Um, and they take a very different perspective, understandably, than I do in his work and what he's done. Uh, but a little bit about John Chow. He was born in 1991, so he's just like a couple years older than I am. He went to college. He got a Bachelor of Science um, in Exercise Science. Uh, he'd done a few short-term mission trips over summers while he was in school and got connected to an organization. Uh, and then when he graduated, he became a marketer for a beef jerky company, right? Um, he'd been to Mexico and the Middle East. He served different refugees. Um, and at one point in a trip, he had heard about um, this tribe off, uh, off the coast of India. And this tribe was on an island, and it was completely um, just isolated from the rest of civilization. It was untouched by any civilized people. It was the last remnant piece of uncivilized, uncivilization. So he heard about this. It was um, the North Sentinelese island, and there's about 200 people. And as he heard these stories and he thought about these people, man, he could just not fall asleep thinking, man, that these are 200 people, 200 people that I don't know, that, man, actually, they don't even know the rest of civilization, but these are 200 people who, who don't know God, who don't know Jesus, who are destined for hell. And he's like, man, he just could not sleep. He couldn't shake that feeling. Um, and so eventually he's like, I'm gonna go and visit these people. I'm gonna bring them just some resources and some different things, and I'm going to um, just share with them who God is. I'm gonna read the Bible to these people. And so he convinced and bribed two Christian fishermen, right, to take him to this island. Um, and the Indian Navy actually surrounds and kind of patrols this island to keep people away. The man, they want to, kind of as like a trophy, they want to keep people outside of this place. And they want to, man, keep these people untouched. Um, and so the fishermen said, hey, we're not gonna take you any further. Um, and so he jumped on a kayak and he started going out to them. He took fishing hooks and dental equipment, things he was hoping to offer to them in goodwill. And so he gets up there, he sees the fires, he sees the huts. Um, and as he starts to near the beach, the, the tribes will start to come out to him. Um, and they're starting to yell in their own language and he tries to imitate them back. And then he realizes maybe, maybe that's not the best thing. If they're yelling at me, me yelling the same thing back might not do that. And so um, it didn't escalate. So he just gets all the supplies, the fish hooks, the, the dental supplies, everything he brought, and he kind of just throws it off on the island and, and, and backs up. All right, he also had some dental pliers he took with him, and that wasn't for, for their teeth, but in case he was ready, in case he had to take an arrow out of himself. He, he prepared to, to take an arrow to, these, to this place, knowing that, man, maybe these people aren't going to receive me. Right, and then they continued to threaten him and threaten him and yell at him. And so he finally just decided, hey, I'm gonna go on my kayak because I'm gonna come back. I need to get more supplies. I need to get different things. I'm gonna get my waterproof Bible and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna read to these people who this does. And so he returns um, a second time and these people were ready for him. Like they had, they were out there, all 200 of them, they were there and he comes on his kayak and he stays seated. He doesn't start yelling back. He just stays seated. 
and he picks up his Bible, and he starts reading from the beginning. The man, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created these things to be with you, and he's declaring the love of God to these people. Um, and as that is happening, a little boy, one of the island boys, grabs his bow and starts to string an arrow towards him. And he continues just to share and read and read. And this boy lets go of the arrow. He said, man, that there was just a, a yell that just is pierced through his brain of just this, this kid in just fear and anger, whatever it was, just yells and shoots this arrow um, and actually lands in, right into his Bible that was protecting his chest at that time. And so John Chow at that point said, hey, I think this is enough. He uh, packs up and he leaves, right? And so I, I heard the story. I was like, man, this guy is, he was young, um, barely 30 at the time. Actually, I don't even think he was 30 at the time. And um, documentaries say, man, this, he was crazy. Like, he was illogical. This is, the things he was doing that is not wise. And I honestly, the first time I read it, I was like, yeah, that is, that is not the smartest move. That, that doesn't hit any form of logic. That, that's unwise. He's crazy. He's wasting his, his time on, on, on 200 people. Like, there's all of India right there in front of you that man needs to know Jesus. Why would you risk your whole life at such a young age for these people, right? But for John Allen Chow, I mean, this is what God had called him to, that he had a, a clear picture of who God was, that he was in awe of God's character, of who Jesus was, and the, the, the message of redemption, that, man, he was willing to risk everything because if this is what his God had said to do, I mean, he wanted to honor the Lord with his whole life. And he chose those 200 people over his comfort, his logic, and desire. Right, and we're gonna, we're gonna close out the story with his third and last visit to this island at the end of the sermon. But man, I just want us to look at like, why? Why would it, was he able to do this incredible thing? And, and, and for me, it's just the idea, man, he knew God. He had a clear view and a just distinct awe of who God was. And so my goal in our prayers, man, as we leave today, I want us to just have a, a, a deeper love and admiration for God's character. And so we're gonna look at some different characteristics. I'm gonna look through a lot of different scripture. We're actually gonna look at stars and space and stuff. I love this message because like the little kid in me comes out. I was like, man, I just love looking at stars, right? And we don't get to see that as much. And you go outside and there's like not many stars, but... Um, we have some really incredible technology that we have to look at that. Right, so the first one, man, who is our God? Right, Psalm 33 says this, says the Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed and the word and all the stars were born. We saw this in Genesis 1, that man, his words alone spoke everything into existence. Everything we know and see in front of us and everything, honestly, we don't. I mean, our God, above all right now, he is powerful, Right, so if you don't know this guy, um, this, is our, this is our son. Um, he was working crazy overtime this summer, right? It was hot, and he was doing his thing. Um, the son, I'm gonna give you some, some facts. I got a bachelor's in science, but it was in psychology, so I'm not an astrophysicist. Um, you could ask my chemistry 107 professor. That one didn't work out great. Uh, but here is the son. Right? Our son produces about 384.6 Yoda watts of energy. Any of y'all measure anything in Yoda watts? Probably not. Right, a Yoda watt is about one hydrogen bomb worth of energy. So a hydrogen bomb, which is um, the largest bomb that's been produced here, produces one Yoda watt. The sun produces 384.6 of those per second. Right, that's a lot. That thing is a powerhouse. All right, how about some, some size comparison? So here is the sun in comparison to the rest of our solar system. The earth is not the big blue one, but it's down there on that bottom row. Right, so the sun is, is pretty large, 
it can fit about 966,000 earths into it. So almost a million of the thing that we sit on and live on fit into that sun, that star, right? It's, it's pretty impressive. So there's a comparison. Um, we're gonna back out a little bit. So this big star you see right there, and I'm gonna butcher this name, that's all right, because none of us are scientists, is UI Scuddy. Scuddy, Scuddy, we're gonna call it Scuddy. Right, this star is million of years, uh, starlight, sorry, million of light years outside of our solar system. It's currently the largest star known to scientists at this time. Um, it is about 1.5 billion miles in diameter. My brain doesn't even like comprehend that, right? 1.5 billion miles, it's pretty big. Um, here is it compared to some other rather large stars. Uh, the bottom left is UI Scuddy. They, they, couldn't put the whole thing on there because then you wouldn't be able to see actually anything else. Uh, but that's our sun in the top left corner in comparison to this star, right? It can fit about five billion of our star or our sun into that one star. Five billion of our sun, right? I just told you how, how big our sun was in comparison to Earth. Man, now it's gonna fit five billion of those. You wanna hear a crazy number? I'm gonna tell you how many Earths can fit. Four quadrillion. Let me tell you, break that down. All right, one million seconds ago from today was 12 days, right? One million seconds was 12 days ago. One billion seconds was 1992. One trillion seconds ago was 29,700 BC. One quadrillion seconds ago was 30,800,000 years ago, right? It's about what my students and ministry think about how old I am, right? They, 30, where I lost it, 30,800,000 years ago. That's a massive number. So all that to say is, man, that star is, it's pretty large. All right, a little bit about our solar system. Um, we showed it earlier in comparison to our sun. We live in a pretty big solar system. We're proud of it. Um, but here is our larger neighborhood. It's called the Milky Way. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, not the candy bar, but the Milky Way is where our solar system is a part of. Um, so the Milky Way is about 100,000 light years long. Pretty good. Uh, one light year is six trillion miles, right? So that's massive. Um, if we counted all the stars in the Milky Way, one star per second, it would take us about 2,500 years to count them all. If our solar system, so the place that the earth resides in, how big that sun was, if our solar system was a quarter, the Milky Way in comparison would be about the size of North America. So all that to say, man, in comparison, we're pretty small, right? We just saw, man, that this massive star that fits quadrillions of our earth into it, and then there's us. We're gonna go a little, so there's our Milky Way, and, and the sun is kind of bottom-centered. It's, it's just massive. All right, well, here's um, a photo from the Webb Space Telescope. This was sent the Webb Space Telescope out recently, um, and this was one of the first photos it sent back about a year ago, and this is SMACS0732, or like I like to call it, SMACS, right? So it doesn't look like much, but a bunch of fuzzy stars, right? I was like, man, I could take that on my Google Pixel spinning, right? I, that kind of looks like something similar I've taken. Uh, but the reality is, man, this is crazy of the things that they are seeing, um, that this is actually thousands of different galaxies, not different planets or different stars or different solar systems, but thousands of different galaxies, thousands of Milky Way-sized galaxies. 
right? We just saw, man, how big the Milky Way is. And there are thousands of other ones that are just as big. Right, and our God spoke these things out with just his words. That man, with just his words, all of these things were created. That our God is big, right? Isaiah, um, in his writings, he talks about, hey, God was marked all of the heavens, all the stars with the span of his hand. So the span of your hand is between, is it is between your, your thumb and your finger, the span of his hand. That man, with, the, with just his hand, he marked out all of the galaxies. Our whole universe is marked out and, and God just sees us just in the, in, his hand, that, that is our God, right? And our God isn't limited, right? He shows his power here on earth. We just sang about the man, our God stopped the oceans. He split the oceans to allow Moses and the Israelites to travel through. The man, the sheer power of the waters was nothing for him. He just spoke it and it happened. Um, I love this story. This is just like a little kid story. This is like, man, that's really cool. Um, the book of Joshua, they were going to battle, and the Israelites were going to battle, and so Joshua prays. He says, on this day, the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, and Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon, and the sun, sorry, I lost my, the still of Gibeon, and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. That God stopped time. Right, all those galaxies and everything moving, our solar system and everything happening, God just willed it and, and it happened. That he was able to not just split the seas, but with his power, he's able to stop the sun and the moon from moving. That that is what our God does. That our God is big and he's powerful and he's mighty and he's glorious. Right, our challenges, man, they are real. But we need to be reminded that, man, our God is powerful. That the things in front of us are so like God is so capable of handling the challenges we have in front of us and they come to him that our God is powerful. I um, mean, secondly, I want us to be reminded that our God is purposeful. That not only, only is he all power and all strength, but he's all knowing. Um, and we're, we're gonna look at a few different things, but first the Psalm verse, it says this, as we're just talking about stars, it says, man, the heavens, what do they do? They declare, or declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. So we just got to see, man, our universe is massive. And honestly, it's way too big for us to, to live in. So there's gotta be some other idea. Why did God make this massive universe? And I think it's this, it's to declare his glory. It's to show that, man, he is beautiful. He is good. And it's awesome that as we are growing in civilization, we're growing in the technology to see this artworks. And so I'm gonna show you all a few photos from telescopes um, and some things we've taken. Just, I, I don't know all of them. I don't know what they're called. Um, but just to show you, man, the beauty of what our God has put together for us to sit and enjoy and just be in awe of his beauty and his purpose um, in these things. There's some just really, really cool ones. This is one of my favorite ones. And also this one's pretty, pretty incredible. Right, that God created these just artworks and these masterpieces so that we can know more of who he is. That, man, our God is, is beautiful, he's good, he's worthy of all praise and all things. Uh, but we see his purpose in a lot of different ways. Um, we, we're talking about Genesis, we're gonna go back to Genesis. It says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. 
And the Spirit of God, he was hovering over the surface of the waters. I love Genesis, I love this narrative. And, and what I've learned more and more is, man, God has it all figured out. I know that's of no surprise to us, but he has thought through every step, right? It's not like, hey, you just got Legos for Christmas. And you're like, I'm gonna throw out these instructions because I got this. And you just look at the photos like, that's what I gotta make. Like, you're just not gonna win that battle, right? But God, he wrote the instructions. He, he, he knows from A to B how to get there and every step is formed. And we see that in just the very, very beginning. The, where was the, the heavens of the earth, man? It was formless. It was void. It was empty. There was pure chaos, and so the guy said, man, I'm gonna fix this problem. I'm gonna fix this issue. And so we see throughout Genesis, that's exactly what he does. So day one, what does he do? Well, there was no form and it was, it was empty. So he had to create light and dark. And then day two, he created the earth and the sky. And then day four, man, he made land and o- the oceans. He took what was unformed, right? And he started to form, he started to put it together. Man, that I, I gotta create light, I gotta create stars, and then I, then I got to make the, the earth and the sky. And then I, from that, I'm going to bring up the lands and create the oceans. And then day four and five and six, he said, now that there is form, the next issue is, man, that, the, that is empty. He said, I, I, need to, I need to fill this. And so day four, he fills what was, what was broken day one. And he, what was, when he brought light and dark, he created sun and moons and stars. And day five, he took the sea animals and the birds and he filled them. And then day six, he, the land animals and the humans and I don't know about you, if he started with land, animal, humans, and there's the formless, empty void, it wouldn't have worked out really well, right? Each one was necessary for the next step to happen, that our God is thoughtful, and he's, he's, he knows these things that are coming. The form was needed before he could fill it. Um, it was with great care and great thought that God did this, because ultimately he wanted to create a home, a home for us to reside, to be able to walk, and for his creation to be, um, to bring him glory, right? We also see this purpose throughout his word. Um, that we have his living word with us. And, and God's idea, that man, his brain doesn't, or not, just the way he thinks doesn't compare even closely to ours um, in a lot of cool ways. And so this is a cool little graphic that shows just all the um, prophecies fulfilled of, in Christ, right? The idea is, man, throughout all of Scripture, the Old Testament, here are some of the prophecies, and this is where they're fulfilled in the New Testament about some different ideas of who Christ was, his, his ancestry, his death, his life and ministry, his reign, that we see God's promises and prophecies from thousands and thousands of years ago become true, because that is what God does. What he says is reality. What he, what he makes a promise, it is not broken, that our God is, his mind is not separated, or sorry, his mind is not limited by time like ours is. Um, also, I love this one. Um, these are all the different cross-references of Scripture. So starting from Genesis to, to Revelation, the amount of times the Scripture refers to itself, right? The beauty, man, this book written over thousands and thousands of years continues to refer and relate and go back into itself. The man, that shows that there could only be a divine author, I'm someone who's, who's not limited by, by limited capacity and small brain like myself, but our God is mighty, Right, our God is powerful. He created the heavens and the earth. Like his word just spoke everything into existence. He can stop the sun and the moon. He can split the oceans. Man, our God is also knowledgeable. He's all-knowing and he's purposeful with that. And we see that. All right, but so far, nothing I've said is, is honestly that abstract from what a lot of religions believe about, if they believe in a deity, right? Most religions believe, hey, their God is powerful, because um, that would make a really unfortunate God if you had a God that wasn't powerful, right? Or that, hey, our God is also, it's knowledgeable. He's smart, he's wise, he's the most wild being. So the, what I've said honestly isn't that unique. But I think it's this last piece 
um, that really shows, man, this is the heart of who our God is. That yes, our God is powerful, can create all things, and yes, our God is purposeful and all-knowing, but our God is also love, and he's personal. And we see that in a couple of different Psalms. And so the psalmist says this, he says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him, you, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hand. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of our sea, our God and, his, and all this power and thought. What does he do? He cares for you. But this is how big our God is. But man, our God is also relational. Our God is near. Our God is personal. All right, here's one more. And one you've heard before. He says, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, you saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than sand. I am awake and I am still with you. Right, the creator of the universe, the one who's larger than, than you, I, Scott, as he holds everything in his hands, the one who's smart enough to know exactly how to make everything perfectly and said all those things with just one word. The ones who, the, man, the galaxies speak of his glory and is worthy of that glory. What else? He knows you and he's created you. He's known you from the, the moment you were created when you were just one cell. Because that's where we started. We started as one cell full of billions of DNA. And now you are 75 trillion cells that make you up. Every, every second, one million of those cells are die and are remade, you are a walking miracle, you are a walking wonder. Your brain alone, and our brain alone, is one of the most sophisticated creations in all of the universe. And yet God knew you in the womb. He created you out of love to know you. And no matter what you might think of yourself, no matter what you feel others might think of you or perceive you, that the creator of the universe, the one we were talking about, who's all knowing and all powerful, knows you and loves you and created you. And he delights in who you are that that is who our God is. Our God is personal. And he's powerful and he's purposeful, but he is love. Right, and it all comes together and we see it in the beauty of Jesus. In Colossians 1, it says, man, all things were created through Jesus. That everything we've talked about so far was created through Jesus. That he was there and present for every single one of these things. From the day that God created man and to be with him, to be with his creator, to walk with him in perfect relationship. Jesus was there. Right? And he created, he created us to live a life on earth, to see his beauty, to bring him glory, to work for him and to live with him. And what does man do? We ruined that. We destroyed that relationship when we brought sin into the relationship, when we chose our own desires and our own wants over God and we chose evil, right? And so sin broke that relationship. It brought a rift between us and between God because God is good and sin is evil and nothing could fix that. Nothing that we did could fix that. And so what does our all-powerful and all-purposeful creator do? The one who created the universe, who has galaxies declaring his name, he was born. He was born as a baby. Right, we just celebrated Christmas, and that story is fresh in our heart, and I love that. And then he walks this earth in perfection. By some he is loved. He's called rabbi and master and messiah. By others he is hated and he is ridiculed. 
right? And then we get to see, man, the beauty of these promises, the beauty of God's mind and his purpose, man, they come together when he fulfills what we couldn't, when he fixes what we broke and he reunites what was once broken, right? He picked up that cross made from the tree that he had created and he carried it up this hill and he was hit, or sorry, he was stabbed with iron nails in his hands and that iron was made from rock that, that was made through his words by a guard that he had known from the womb. That God and Jesus knew everything that was happening. None of that happened that was outside of his hand and his power and his knowledge and his control. That he had known that this was the way. And he was put to death. He was put to death on a criminal's cross. And he took that death, not because he deserved it, but because you and me, because we deserved it. And there he was, bleeding and suffocating, he declared to Telestai, the man, it is finished. The once what was broken, the debt that was created, that I have paid for this in full, that I served what you couldn't. And he solved the puzzle for you to be forgiven. That's who our savior was. And he, he was buried. And then in the greatest feat of power, Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin and he rose again and that is what our God has done. He showed Satan that your power has no hold over who I am, that I'm gonna defeat death so that anyone who believes in me, anyone who receives this free gift of salvation and believes and put their faith in me can also follow me and have eternal life with the Father. They can be forgiven forever. That I'm gonna show you that my power is greater, that my purpose is way bigger than your schemes, devil. And I'm gonna show you that, man, I do this because I love you that this is what our God has done. I mean, we see it from the beginning, we see it manifest that this is who he is. And he did this for you. And I just want us to stop. It's a story you've heard maybe hundreds and thousands, so many times. But as we were heading to the new year, I don't wanna tell you how to be a better believer. I wanna tell you that, man, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you to know him. And so now we can walk with him in response to that, not to earn that, not to try to gain God's approval, to prove ourselves, no, out of a response of what Jesus has already done that all his power, all his purpose was for love for you. All right, so let's go back to John Anchow because this, this is the culmination of his story, uh, a man who I believe responded his life in relation to, to what God has done. Right, so he continued to, to serve the Lord and, and went back one more time. And right before he left, um, he wrote this letter. It says, Brian and Marilyn, mom and dad, you guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please don't be angry at them or God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he has called you, and I will see you again when you pass through the veil. Don't retrieve my body. This is not a pointless thing. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language, as Re Revelation 7, 9 through 10 states. I love you all, and I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Soli Deo Gloria. Right, so he went back to preach to them one more time. Um, but the reality is he didn't get to return from that trip. Um, he never left that island in the flesh. He was martyred, but, but not in vain. Right, and so he's written in a lot of different newspapers. The Rolling Stones even recently wrote another article about him. Um, and I actually read it this morning because there's been a documentary that was released about him um, that says, man, this... This man was, honestly, he was irresponsible. What he was doing was bringing something to someone who, they didn't want this. But for John Al Chow, it was so much more, right? People mocked him, they questioned him, 
Um, the man, just leave those people alone. Even afterwards, there were some interviews where his dad questioned, was it worth it? But the impact is John Allen Chow has now put the North Sentinelese people on the map. Now believers all across the world know to pray for these people. Right, he laid down his life so that they could know Jesus. He was confident he's lived his life in faithfulness, not because he was important, but because he knew his God was powerful and knowing and loving. He had a clear view of his master, of who our master is. All right, our view of God, man, it affects everything. If we have a limited view of God, if our God is limited because of our sin or our doubts or our struggles and all those things are real, man, as we have a clear view of who God is, that changes everything. So my challenge for y'all this new year um, is to do that. Just as we took time on that mountain to just stop and reflect and be in awe, I have three really easy steps for you and three just challenges for you as you go into this new year. As the first man, take consistent time to stop and be in awe of God. If you're with your family, man, today at lunch, just do that. Reflect over what has God done in 2023. How are the ways you've seen his hand move? What are the great things you've seen him do? And not only that, but just say, man, what does this show us about his character? How do we see his love, his goodness, his just, his mercy? Who do we see God as from these things? And then go further. Every week, do that same thing, man. Take time either personally or communally. I think they're both incredibly helpful to reflect of God's character. Second, seek to know him, abide with him, and grow in knowledge and awareness of who God is. That the world is saying a lot of things about who our God is. Um, but the truth is when we have his word in front of us, join a Bible study. Dusty got to talk about earlier, there's men and women's kickoffs. If you're a student, we'd love to have you in student ministry, whatever it is, get involved in community, studying the word of God so that you can grow in knowledge and deeper understanding of who he is. And then do the walk with him, abide with him. And lastly, and continue to do what we are called to do. Our purpose as believers is help other people find and follow Jesus. Get inv- if you're interested, get in- talk to Chris Thompson. Look, see what it looks like to, be- to join a-, a serve team here. Man, as you go to work, as you leave here, um, our, this is our moment of worship to lead us into the rest of the week of worship. And as we worship, it's to know God and to help other people know him. Go, as you go back to work, to school, as you are home with your kids, help them find Jesus, help them know Jesus, show them Jesus um, in the ways that you are also in awe of him. Let that overflow into an awe of the world. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for, um, God, that you are good, that you are powerful, Lord, that you are not limited to, to the, the thoughts that even I have, Lord, that your ways are not my ways, Lord, that your thoughts are not my thoughts. And God, that is, that is, provides peace. Lord, knowing that you are bigger, Lord, that you are knowing and all-powerful and all-loving. Um, Father, you've known me from the moment of conception, Lord, that you've known me throughout my whole life and you've walked with, with each and every single one of us, Father. You know our, our failures, Lord. You know our doubts. You know our challenges, Father. And those things don't scare you, Lord. Instead, you draw near. And I pray, God, that we can bring those things into you as we are in awe of who you are, Lord, that you are love. And that you've shown that through Christ's life, Lord, through his ministry, Lord, even through his sacrifice, and his resurrection, the Lord, he reigns. Uh, Father, and we long for the day where we are reunited, where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. And until that day, Lord, I pray that, that our hearts respond, Lord, in an act of worship, that everything is yours. Lord, let us respond in, in word and in song. Father, we love you and praise in Jesus' name.